All aboard! You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to The Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, are Charles. Help! And Jim. How's it going? Jim. (laughs) (laughs) It's going, guys, although it's still black outside my window. I don't know about about you guys, but... uh... (laughs) Our early morning voices are so deep. And Jim. And Jim. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, before we get into our very massive topic today, <laughs> we want to briefly cover the news. Well, in the news this week, really, it's just it's just our news again. Uh, no new Onyx Path news this week, but but our crew will be recording Wild Shape episode two this evening. Ooh, ooh. Yep, there we go. So, a lot of players this time. We've got two new characters in the show. Jim will be telling the story. It's going to be it's going to be a wild ride, I think. And that's wild huh. with a with a why. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know how long it's going to take us to get those episodes ready for everybody's consumption, but still, it's going to be fun and they will be coming soon and you will get to see them in all their glory here pretty soon coming up. And what about the Patreon this week? Charles, how's that been going? Uh, Patreon's going good. We uh, are having uh, some steady growth. And the the biggest change is that the first episode of my home game, Trouble in Solstice, is now up. So you can listen to the first three embarrassingly horrific hours of me attempt to run Exalted. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, nice. And we want to thank a uh, new patron this week, Bifford. Uh, Bifford, the epic man. Epic. <laughs> thank you, sir, for becoming a patron. And uh, all those who haven't signed up yet and want to want to help us out, want to help the show get better, uh, go ahead and go on over to patreon.com slash the deliberative and uh, mull over what you might want to, to do to help us out. All right. Well, this week, as promised... Uh, well, not really promised, but as hinted at, like just a, a, a minute or two ago, <laughs> we have a massive topic. And I mean massive. Massive in terms of we're going to be talking about War Striders. Yes. One of the coolest aspects. I've been of wanting the game. to talk about this for a while. Yes, you have. Actually, almost <laughs> since the very beginning of the show, I think. Yeah, you brought it up a bunch. We should talk about War Striders. So, <laughs> so yeah. So here we are. So, so let's give us give us a quick description of War Striders, uh, Jim. What what are War Striders? War Striders now are like these big, massive robots that you pilot. Uh, they are no longer just glorified power armor. They are these huge, hulking machines. 30 right. to 40 foot tall, which Immense. I was shocked when I read the War Striders chapter in The Arms of the Chosen. How much I know. How, how much bigger they are. 
Yeah, how much has changed? I mean, seriously, there's there's been a lot of change there. Yeah, I, I think we were talking a little bit yesterday, and I was saying, you know, I I had read back a little bit through Second Edition, and of course, you know, uh, that was that Wonders of the Lost Age book in Second Edition is it was one of my favorite books for <laughs> Exalted Second Edition. I read that thing a bunch of times, and and uh, War Striders in there, you know, I mean, sure, they've got like a lot of really cool. Uh, stats, you know, massive enhanced soak and uh, all kinds of like strength enhancements and these like giant weapons and everything. But that I, I think still, like if you were going to compare it to something like in a movie, I, I think it was really closer to uh, the dude, the, the bad guy in Avatar, not Avatar the Last Airbender, but James Cameron's confusingly titled Avatar. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that uh you know where where the uh, the dude with the cigar oh gosh who who's that actor man he was he was pretty it. awesome <laughs> <laughs> i mean he he was pretty awesome just as like a you know son i mean he was kind of likable you know just kind of a tough dude but then of course he turns into be the guy who's just gonna like burn this mother down or whatever and but anyway that thing that he Sigourney wrote Sigourney Weaver that, no I'm just kidding oh yeah that's it nailed <laughs> it crushed no, it it was the toughest woman alive <laughs> next to uh, Linda Hamilton yeah it is uh, his name is Stephen Lang and he played Colonel Miles Quaritch because who's Colonel gonna remember Miles. that name yeah exactly that's I like I've seen that movie a bunch of times and I'm like who they really but, just uh, call him Colonel. <laughs> the colonel right it would like you know like all right boy get your legs back right so he uh he had that like kind of big walking mech thing and i really feel like that was the scale of war striding now somebody out there might like disagree with me I'm like no no man it's always been like these giant 30 foot tall dudes or whatever but like they like even like the pictures and in, in comics and stuff they had one like busting out of a barn you know, and there's like pictures of them on like parades and whatnot and they don't they just don't seem to be Pacific Rim style robots in second edition. Well, that changed in third edition. <laughs> yeah, they are now. Yeah, right. so, yeah. Uh, although thirty foot, thirty foot is pr- like those those Pacific Rim robots are probably a lot taller. Than well, let me foot. tell you, one of them, time. one of the ones that I'm gonna cover, it specifically says that it's sixty feet tall. It's like twice as tall as all other War Striders. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's like that's like Ant Man uh, when he comes out of the water at the boat, maybe on uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh, sorry, you guys, you guys are a little behind the time. Spoiler, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's in the preview. But anyway, yeah, so that's pretty dang big. That that's that's giant. I think it is uh, quite a bit of a size increase over second edition. But um, but let's talk just a little bit about how all of that works in the. In the game, in, in in the actual rules and whatnot of the game, to be piloting some gigantic <laughs> robot like this, whose purpose real? I mean, you think about like what? Why would they build these things? What's what's the actual goal here? Uh, looks like they have a, a you know just a massive amount of effectiveness against battle groups, right? I mean, oh that, my that's gosh, a, oh, yes, yeah. dude, definitely they are devastating huge. against battle groups, right? That's huge, <laughs> a huge part of the thing. And then also, and and, and I think that now that you know we're kind of at this place, we're gonna need because they are so suited to fighting um, behemoths oh, from yeah. beyond the borders of creation. I mean, you, you, this this just has. It has Pacific Rim written all over it, right? What's a oh, behemoth? Yeah. It it's a kaiju. Right? Yeah, it's Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, 
it's it's Mothra, right? And yeah, so it's it's the old Japanese. Hang on, um, Mothra God, is a good guy, okay? Godzilla, spoiler and, alert, and and Ultraman <laughs> and all this stuff, like these big giant robots and and alien looking dinosaur things fighting in the yeah. city. Right. Yeah. It has. That and so, feel. I mean, don't you feel like? You know now. You know after reading through all the rules for the for the War Striders and and the example War Striders and everything, it's like, you know what we need now? We need this chapter in a new book, but instead of War Striders, it's Behemoths, and it's all the same stuff. It's like Ooh. rules on how they work and whatever legendary size rules. Oh, yeah. There's their particular rules on how they fight armies and all, and then you know specific ones with all of their charms and stuff because. <laughs> this needs to happen okay <laughs> the giant well, yeah, turtle right now, from beyond the world yeah you it, know well maybe it's jumping ahead but i mean right now it seems like the biggest deterrent to playing or rather using a war strider in your game is there really aren't a whole lot of big things to throw it against right yeah i mean uh, unless you want to throw it against one of the other war striders or, or something or tyrant lizard that seems to be the only non war strider right. thing that's like here's something that's uh pretty big and could give it a run for its money right the, at least the tyrant lizard has legendary size right so yeah. it's going to be kind of a little bit of a match although i, I think a 30 foot tall robot could probably wreck a t-rex mm. i mean like i don't i smell a test for the arena <laughs> That's right. We're gonna have to go. Tyrant lizard versus Robo versus War Strider. That would that would actually be uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm afraid. Like doing it, doing it like play by post style or whatever would probably be like just take forever. Like waiting forever and ever for all these different moves. Because I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the War Strider just annihilate it right out of the gate. Who knows? We'll have. To, yeah, we we'll definitely have to try this out. That sounds pretty fun. But one of the things that War Striders have that kind of sets them apart, and it's a it's a been been a part of the rules since the core, uh, is this legendary size that we've been talking about, oh, and yeah. so th- that confers some pretty <laughs> pretty amazing advantages. So what are some of those? Let's go let's go through some of the legendary size things. So um, I know one of the things that is just it can be kind of big is that anytime any smaller enemies like non-legendary size enemies are attacking something of legendary size uh they don't inflict any onslaught penalties so it doesn't matter how many people are just hammering on this thing their their defense never goes down from onslaught that's actually really big yeah a lot of you know yeah, oh yeah you tactics. can't get the you can't get their initiative below one you can't wither them down if you're right. smaller than yeah them. yeah that's which, you, cool. which means you can't you can't crash them Right. You can't put them in crash and you can't get the crash bonus. Right. So that's huge. Uh, also, they can't take more decisive damage from a single attack made by a smaller character than the attacker's strength plus three. So, I mean, there's oh, like, there's like, a, there's a limit to how much damage you can actually do to things. Although, that's with so a lot of low. These, it is, but, but dang, and, and especially in comparison to the amount of health that these things I have. Know. <laughs> it's bananas, dude. Yeah, like 10 minus two levels, 10 minus four levels. Jeez. Like, yeah, they, it's just insane. They, they have so much health. I mean, you're looking at like 30 or something health boxes, uh, 30, 35 health boxes, something like that. So, you know, yeah, you're not going to do very much damage to these things at all you unless you are. You cannot jump and latch onto its knee and consider that a grapple. If you're smaller than the War Strider, you're not grappling it. 
Right. You're right. Huh. Yeah. You don't have a you don't have a way to do that unless you've got some kind of big charm or whatever that allows you to grapple legendary size things. And of course, Solars have those. Now, because if you've they ever seen the Behemoth Fighters, the Avengers cartoon that Marvel have released, um, there's a point where Ant Man gets really huge and the Hulk hits him, and it's like so hilarious. That's what I picture. It's like this little right. bitty thing hitting this big guy in the knee, and like you see him fall to the ground. Can't do yeah, that that's with the Warstrike. that's the solar. Well, you can if you're a solar. Oh with yeah, like yeah. Dragon you coil have the charms, or whatever. Yeah, you can. You could probably the, do it. Yeah. Yeah, solar's. I mean, that's their that's their shtick, man. I mean, they go and they grab the behemoth by the face and just like swing it like a club, you know. So yeah, so you you could do, and but there are all kinds of, and we'll talk about these in just a second. But there are ways that you can attempt to disable parts of a war strider or whatnot. Right. There are special gambits, which I think. I think you're just awesome. And this this whole thing, well, let's get into that in just a second. I don't want to get too far ahead of us here. We're, we're still talking about legendary size. Well, well, you can't knock it back with smashing attack. You got that right. And the, uh, the scary thing about the gambits, I wanted to say this before we got into the specific ones, is that it seems like the only way that a group of exalts are going to bring down a war strider uh, without a war strider of their own is through these gambits. But the trade-off is you're not actually damaging it on right. your turn. You're... And then on its turn, it does all of its devastating things that it can do. <laughs> right. And so it's right. like, can we just like kind of dismantle this thing or slow it down or something before it just outright kills us all? Right. right. Yeah. Which and is you're spending terrifying. a lot of your initiative and whatnot doing those yeah. pretty high cost gambits. And yeah. So you're, you're burning out on it. You're, it's definitely going to take a team. Or else, like a really, really powerful exalt to be able to to have any chance against something like this. But really, they don't have a chance. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the pilot of the Warstrider just like doesn't have any, you know, doesn't know any of the evocations, hasn't spent any time with it, or something like that. Because these evocations are just devastating. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So those are, those are legendary size um, benefits. I mean, there's also drawbacks to legendary size. Oh yeah, but. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you can't hide from anybody, and uh, <laughs> that's, the, but, uh, that's not but, entirely yeah. true. But go on. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can have some um, some kinds of well, communications, like whatnot, that go the, cloaking device. Right? Yeah, get the equivalent of a hobbit blanket at Warstrider <laughs> size and become a mountain. Like, whoop. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but yeah, yeah, cloaking something like that would probably be the way to go with a charm. Yeah, exactly. But uh so yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about these gamuts for a second. So um there are there are four different Warstrider uh fighting gambits. And what are what are some of those? Let's go through a couple of those things that they have. Well, you could block the vision of the War Strider. I guess you'd climb on its face and like uh, wherever the pilot is interfacing with the the vision, right? And you could, I guess, you could climb and block it, like maybe block it with your body itself, your your body, or or like I don't know, maybe you uh, cut down this canopy on this building when it mm. walks under it and it, it falls over its face. Do something like tree, that. yeah, tree limbs. Uh, you could do like a giant ball of mud. Oh yeah, smashed <laughs> on it. Yeah, because the uh, the pilot has to has to then take an action to clear that if something gets in front of it. So that's kind of cool, and that's a that's a rather low difficulty gambit. 
uh, just the, just three initiative that will cost you. But, um, but yeah, so that, I mean, that, that's, that's actually pretty cool to, if you think about it, you know, you're, you're slowing it down, you're making it where it can't target and do other sorts of things until they clear that. And so, uh, that, that can be actually really useful, especially if you got a team working one that keeps blocking the vision. Well, I don't know right. if you mentioned this about the legendary size, but it's, it's the equivalent of an Imperial Imperial Star Destroyer fighting an X Wing. If it's if the okay. if the yeah. War Strider's fighting one small um humanoid or, or small being, then it's gonna take minuses to locating it and being able to hit it because it's so small. And then you blind right. uh, you uh you uh block its vision on top of that. I mean it's gonna right. give you a little bit of scrambling room. You know, you're just like that little um, yeah. that little prize fighter that's fighting the behemoth <laughs> and you're trying to dance right. around it the whole time and pray that yeah. it doesn't hit you <laughs> attack on Colossus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which, you know, I mean, it makes sense. You know, war strider walks into a, a crowd of a thousand people. It just opens up little vents on its legs, shoots fire everywhere, launches a cluster rockets all over from its shoulder. They blow up and just, you know, why massive amounts in every easily. game? <laughs> <laughs> Like every story should involve a war strider. You know, it does if you play alchemicals. I'm just going to lay that right there. Because you're just like little war striders. I mean, that's really what you are if you're an alchemical. So, yeah. The war strider. (laughs) (laughs) Until you grow up and become a whole city. But anyway. um, Yeah, and another one is uh, you can disable the arm of a war strider which is pretty cool a little bit higher difficulty that's a difficulty five now ken are you telling me that like a farmer with a pitchfork can climb on this thing and disable the arm <laughs> or is there some special rules that go along with that well i mean i don't know i i i would say that probably anybody could attempt this but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have some initiative to be able to go after this right, right. so right i but mean yeah farmer with a pitchfork is um Using athletic charms to leap through the air and deliver blows with artifact weapons, turning the environment against the war strider or other tactics. Uh, so right. um, yeah. you got to have some. I don't. I don't think Farmer Joe is going to be able to get these things. Or I think you're going to have right. some kind of special either crafting ability or some kind of a magical weapon, artifact weapon. Right, you got to have some way to, to right, disable this thing, right. either by doing because when know, I was reading these gambits, damage or... I mean, yeah, the the difficulty is kind of high, but I was like, man, that would just stink if you if you were in one of these things and like fifty villagers just jump all over your body and your legs disable and your arms disable and you just fall to the ground. Like, ugh, that made right. me mad. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think if a village, you know, a, a group of villagers with pitchforks and torches are going to be like a you know, a size two battle group. And this thing's just going to defeat them in its first, <laughs> yeah. in its first actions. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's definitely got to be some kind of hero. He's got to have some way to kind of breach the, breach the ridiculously, you know, uh, awesome armor and do some damage to the circuitry. What is it or like God of War be. where this little guy is like running across the back of this gigantic hulking behemoth or something? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what I, I see. That would be kind of yeah. cool. Or uh, what is it? One Punch Man? The very first one? Oh, yeah. Where, <laughs> where he just jumps like on the giant. guy's shoulder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and you could do the same thing. You can do the same thing to the leg. Again, a little bit more difficulty because now you're talking about you might be able to topple the thing over if you disable a leg. And so that's that's a little bit more damaging to the, uh, to the War Strider than just taking its arm down. So 
but uh, pretty cool. Difficulty six thing, uh, you know, slows it down. Uh, and all of these things can be fixed. Uh, they, you know, the, the war strider pilot can spend some of his initiative to try to like get these things going again. So they're not just completely helpless. Once somebody succeeds at one of these gambits, it's just right. kind of like covering the covering the face screen or whatever. You can take this miscellaneous action, spend a little initiative and now your leg or your arm is working again. So we'll just I the think surface. that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> You're not going to read the book. Bag bag yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then the last one, Jim, you want to cover the last one there? Uh, I was going to let Charles take it. <laughs> oh, you're so gracious. Uh, <laughs> breach the frame, which is difficulty nine. So that's like, I mean, it costs the so most, cool, but it also lets you basically just kind of, you know, maybe find a weak spot in the R or a thin part in the armor that you can rip a plate off and like, punch the dude driving it <laughs> right yeah you just make an opening so that people even on people on the battlefield maybe can then uh start targeting it with bows and arrows yeah and try to just shoot through that hole and it sounds funny bows and arrows and we're talking about these big giant robots <laughs> let me introduce you to a five dot artifact power bow well it's kind of like to stick with our avatar example it's like when um when the main character shoots Jake, that giant arrow Jake. yeah straight through the windshield into the colonel you know yeah i mean yeah. technically they the arrow breaches the frame on its own but it's kind of the same thing it's like look this massive steel or titanium alloy armor is not going to be breached by a bow and arrow but if you right. can expose some weak point and you kill the pilot, it doesn't matter how tough the war strider is. The pilot is right. not as tough as a war strider. If you're going to fight a war strider, you need a tribe of Ewoks. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Chihuahua. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I mean, they, they did a pretty good job on those ATSTs. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, there's, no, there's no rules in the, uh, in the Arms of the Chosen, but what happens... If you release like a bunch of logs rolling down a hill, or have two of them swing into your face, I would. Face call, from I would, side. I would and thank you for that. tuning in to the last episode of the Deliberative <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> I consider that some kind of disabled leg, and maybe give some kind of creative bonus if someone came up with something like that. Yeah, this is yeah, my yeah. nightmare. I mean, storytelling. <laughs> Just come up with stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, but this this is so cool though. All these uh, special gamuts, and I know the core book. The core book, uh, you know, hinted at the fact that there would be new special gambits for fighting large things. You know, and it mentioned uh, Juggernaut, the Fortress of the Mask of Winners. In the core book, it said, you know, when it's talking about gambits, it's like, and, and in future products, we'll release some new special gambits for fighting enormous things like uh, the Juggernaut. And, and then, like, this is the first thing that we get those special gambits for, War Striders. Yeah. And uh, I think that's just super cool. I love, and this. I wonder, I love this mechanic. Yeah, absolutely. Just, it, man, it just it makes me think about so much um, that you can do when you design like special creatures, and you're like, "Well, I, I don't want this to be a traditional fight. I want them to be able to run across its back and like line up these crystals and do something. You know, it's like something like you could just come up right. with this mechanic. And uh, spoiler alert: uh, I actually uh -oh. have some special gambits planned for Wild Shape. Episode two. Oh, oh yeah. So wow, very cool. 
we'll, well see I'm those. excited to see, yeah I'm excited to see what that is so huh I spoiled my own self so everyone <laughs> you spoiled your own <laughs> self well actually yeah this is kind of funny I'm like sitting here reading this stuff and I'm like Man, a lot of things that I decided to do. I may I planned this game like weeks ago. Right. So, right. so like, oh man, you totally just copied what you said in the uh, in the other show. It was like, no, no, <laughs> I didn't come up with it on the fly. We're recording it tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that's that's really cool, man. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you got in store for us. So that that's going to be a lot of fun. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the there there's one special kind of action that a war strider gets. I think this is really cool actually in in terms of just like game mechanics design and whatnot. There is a there is a new kind of action that war striders get that's like kind of unique to them and maybe to, you know, uh behemoths and whatnot when we finally get some some of those but uh but it's called a devastating action. And this is on page 141 of the Arms of the Chosen book. And it says that on each turn, the pilot of a war strider receives a special reflexive action called a devastating action, which, by the way, I'm down for this, for this name, devastating action. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And, uh, and it says it can be used to reflexively make an attack against either an enemy battle group or all trivial opponents within range of the pilot's weapon. And it, this does not count as the pilot's combat action for the round. So you get one action each round to just lay waste to all the small folk, right? Just like, you know, these, these are like your, your uh, battle group damaging, you know, like I said, like vents in the legs, opening up, shooting flames out or whatever. Like, so you're just, you're by default reflexively mowing down small people. <laughs> and then you get an attack action to lay waste to like your actual enemy or whatnot, or just more of the small folk if you just really want to tear everything up. But I just thought, man, that is a that is actually a really cool rule because if they only got one attack round or one attack action per round, and they had to kind of target it, uh, that really limits you know that just the kind of like fear and destructiveness that these things can cause and kind of brings them down a little bit more to the level of say like a solar exalt or something just like a really massive like essence 5 lots of defense charms or whatever yeah but it it still it feels like it's just one big combatant but when you get this devastating action to just target everything around you you know uh that all of a sudden turns this into a very scary deal. And I think this is one of the things that separates them too from the second edition War Striders, which were a little bit more like individual combatants, whereas this thing is more like a force of nature that's just wreaking havoc, right? So how do you guys feel about this devastating action? Did you did you have a chance to look too much at that? I think that is just it's just I love the way it's worded. It's like a special reflective action called a devastating action it's like <laughs> reflexive that's like something you just like casually yeah. do like dodge yeah you're, you know? you're just casually murdering everyone <laughs> and casually <laughs> invoke a devastating action and yeah. uh it was saying something i think uh the pilot can uh invoke a simple charm so you get to like ref as your devastating action Right. So like your that's kind of cool too. You get like a simple charm that gets activated reflexively. So yeah. oh, man, that's man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I could see like a I could see like an essence 5 solar charm 
granting a solar a devastating action or maybe like a five dot artifact sword or something or even like a maybe a set of armor uh granting a solar a devastating action in combat wouldn't that be cool Ooh. oh yeah that would be awesome. To give them the ability, the, like the battlefield control of just like walking into just like a massive army and just they're laying waste to them automatically and they get their other action too. Yeah, that would, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. So now that, now that, you know, they've opened the gates on this devastating action, it's kind of like, where else could we see a devastating action? That's what I'm thinking. But anyway, it's pretty cool stuff. So let's, let's talk about just real quick. And I know we're, you know, for those of you out there who have arms of the chosen, you've read all this before. It's like, we're covering a lot of things that you've read. And the reason why we're doing that is just because there's some people who haven't, there's some people who who own the book, who just really haven't gone through this section. It's it's worth getting arms of the chosen. It's totally worth getting. (laughs) Oh man, that amazing. Yeah. So, but, but there are, there are, I think, what are there? Seven war striders. Yeah. List. I mean, that's a lot. I wasn't expecting that many. In Arms of the Chosen. When they were first like announcing it, I was like, oh, maybe we'll get like one or two War Striders. And but you know what's interesting? When you go back and you look again at like the second edition, uh, Wonders of the Lost Age, it's phenomenally different the way these things are presented, right? You know, it's like here are the rules for War Striders, here are the three or four basic size categories of War Striders. Right. And if you have one that's this size category, it has this much soak, this much strength enhancement or whatever. If you have one that's this size, the numbers are a little different, blah blah blah. It gives you like basic rules for just War Striders in general. Yeah. And then at the end it's like here's some specific War Striders. And it's like a paragraph given like a little story of yeah, this one was owned by this and was lost by so and so, and it's like there's no rules, right? It's well, like, it's almost no like they charms. started treating War Striders in third edition, whereas in second edition they felt like mundane weapons, like they were described this the similar way that you describe a mundane weapon, and now they have this artifacty feel, like oh yeah, here, well just like everything else, yeah, right? here's just like everything the story else in third of this edition. War Strider and how it was created and the person that was involved in it and right, yeah, right, and and here's how it's unique compared to all other War Striders, right. which you know that's a big thing that they brought across the board third edition with artifact weapons and whatnot. It's like right. this sword does all of these weird and amazing things, and this sword, which is the exact same kind of sword, but it does. A whole new set of of things, yeah, right? It's like here's how artifacts operate. Unless you have this artifact, which breaks all those rules, and <laughs> right. and this artifact yeah. that breaks the rules that that one didn't. You know, it's, right? It's cool. So in 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 second edition, the War Striders were really uh, they were they were, you know, it was, it was more of just a, a pure story division between like you know what's what's the difference between. Uh, the the Empress's War Strider and one that a solar might find on the edge of creation. Well, uh, maybe they carry slightly different weapons, but and and they they look different and they have a different story behind them. But you know, for the most part, if they're both Royal War Striders, they're kind of the same, you know. And that is absolutely not the case anymore. Each one of these is super unique. Again, it reminds me of Pacific Rim. Where each one of the different, um, what are they called in Pacific Rim? I forget. Jaegers. What they, uh, oh yeah, Jaegers. <laughs> so each each one of the Jaegers, you know, has like different capabilities, you know, and that's that's one of the cool parts of Pacific Rim is just seeing like, oh, here's a new one. What does it do, you know? And that is totally present in third edition with all of these things. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Let's take a look at a couple of them. Uh, so the first one 
I'll go through the first couple, and then you guys take a couple. But uh, okay. the All Conquering Colossus, and that's the very first one that's mentioned. It's a five dot War Strider, and this thing is to me. Well, first of all, because I had a solar, uh, a Doncast solar that was all about. Uh, like, well, this is second edition, so he had Solar Hero style, which today would be like the Brawl Charm Tree or whatever. Uh, so, like, he had all of these, like, you know, hand to hand fighting type charms and defensive charms to just, like, completely negate all damage dealt to him. When I'm reading about the All Conquering Colossus, I'm like, oh, this is just 30 foot tall Gauss. <laughs> like, <laughs> because that's exactly what its evocations are. It's like, he's got all of these like super gra or he, whatever, the, whatever we're going to call it, it, the all conquering Colossus has like these, uh, grappling charms that allow them to grapple like massive things. And they have like special grapple gambits and or special grapple actions where you can just like smash something into the ground and just drag it along the ground, tearing up the terrain, making it difficult terrain. You can like take something take like a legendary size enemy and like throw it into a flying city, and, like, or like an airship or like a manse. Oh, it actually, it actually has like rules for throwing it into a manse, detonating the manse. And the enemy. That's yeah, it's just insane. It's like so these these massive overpowered strength type things. We just like just hulk in this stuff. But then the other side of it is like these uh, these evocations that give it essentially invulnerability. You know, so something shoots it and you just like whoa, you just you know you essence up and burn some initiative and just like bam and just infinitely block even like unblockable things. So. It is, uh, it is the thirty foot tall version of Gauss, and it is pretty awesome. I, th- I actually, I really dig this particular War Strider because it feels like it's like massive He Man. It's giant He Man because I built Gauss to be He Man, and this is He Man writ large. So I'm, <laughs> I'm super into this one. Um, there's uh, so many cool things there. You can throw things out to extreme range even. I mean, it's just, it's a mess. It's, it's, it's awesome. And the second one is like a completely different sort of feel. The second one in the book is the Cathedral of Sublime Annihilation, which, you know, we talked to Eric Minton about the whole naming aspect of things. <laughs> the name Cathedral of yeah. Sublime <laughs> Annihilation. <laughs> and having that not be an actual cathedral, but like a war strider, you know, that's that called a cathedral. Cool. I, man, I, I dig this name big time, but this is the one, this is the battle tech mech. You know, this is the, the ranged war strider bristling with guns in every conceivable place. Like it has like, you know, it's shoulder pauldrons will like, you know, kind of, kind of like roll back and like, you know, lightning ballista come out and, you know, it's got things in its arms where like essence can't implosion bows and whatever, like come out of its arms. It, it even has, sorry, Jim, I know that you don't know anything about this, but it has death blossom. <gasps> I mean, it has real death blossom. Like it, We've worked it even, the so way it describes hard to it, jam that in other areas. <laughs> I know, but this is real death blossom. <laughs> I mean, like you remember the, the starfighter, the last starfighter, when he hits the button for death blossom and like the little, the, the doors like open up revealing yes. like these like you know like thousands of like <laughs> little tubes this thing does that like it's armored it goes like all these plates of its armor just like open up everywhere all over its body like take that codan armada yeah and then it just goes and i mean it doesn't even differentiate between friend and foe it just annihilates everything so i i am super into that and 
And oh, and that that particular evocation, if you want to look it up, which it has a little bit of a uh, has a little bit of a Hyperion throwback to it. It's called Iron Shrikes Take Flight. And if you've ever read the amazing, I mean amazing book Hyperion, you will know about the Shrike and uh, how he has these iron spikes all over his body and stuff like like stuff like that. So, uh, man, that book is good. Have you guys read Hyperion? No, I've never I even know. heard of it. Oh my gosh! It, I, I had a, I had a friend like a really uh, like he he's an extremely smart dude. He he's like a an engineer that makes these amazing things or whatever. I mean like twenty million dollar machines, and uh, but he of course being a person with that kind of mind, you know he's like top of his class, Georgia Tech or whatever. Um, he uh, he you know quite quite a quite an introverted you know dorky not dorky but really nerdy dick guy right and he's like he he's we're talking fiction one day and he's like have you read hyperion and i, and I kind of filed it under like i'm never gonna take your i'm never gonna take your <laughs> advice for what to read dude like i just don't think you are cool enough to read a book that i would like you know but then i got bored one day and i sat down and read this thing and it blew my socks off i know this isn't exalted but seriously guys if you haven't read hyperion it rocks. I think the Dan Simmons, I think is the, the, uh, author there. And also, uh, NSFW quite a bit of stuff in there, but anyway, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's real good. But, uh, but yeah, the other thing that the cathedral of sublime annihilation has is essentially a death star laser. <laughs> like one oh, of the last wow. charms of this thing, like all of these, uh, pieces of like armor and whatnot from its back. Like they construct this massive, like halo type ring, uh, just kind of behind the thing. Um, and then that charges up and blasts this like battlefield annihilating beam that just like destroys everything in its path. And, uh, and I didn't mention it, but one of the, one of the, one of the charms before that, one of the evocations before that is actually a gun that will blow the wild into reality. <laughs> so it actually, Jeez. it's called reality stabilizing cannonade. And it's just like, it creates new, like, uh, you know, like, like concrete areas of reality out of the wild. So that is a su- super awesome war strider and only a five dot war strider. And there are more to come. So what else do we got here? Who's got the next couple of them? I got the next one. Uh, the crusading spear of the depths. Mm. Now this war strider is specifically designed to, for underwater combat. It yeah. has a big, long trident, and it's got all these—it's got all these charms that allow it to move so effortlessly underwater, like uh, mm. ma- uh, multiple range bands, like in single movements and and things oh, like that. That's awesome. Um, but it's it's got the ability, which I find really really cool. Um, it can throw its trident. And after it makes an attack, uh, basically it returns back to its hand. So it's kind of like one of those, you know, you know, your basic uh, infinite chakram uh, mm-hmm. that returns to your hand. But this is like a sixty-foot-long trident, you know. So- <laughs> <laughs> it's like throwing one of like the antennas on top of the Sears Tower at somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not talking uh, throwing stars here. This thing is yeah. huge. Right. And they got a really cool picture of uh, this thing fighting an underwater beast on page one. Yeah, it's like a two-page spread. Yeah, oh, it's awesome, gorgeous looking. Yeah. Um, but speaking of pictures, mm-hmm. that brings us to the next one. That out of all <laughs> the War Striders, 
that I want to see a picture for. I don't see one for this one. Um, this is the Emerald. It depends on if you're French, it's the Chevalier or the Cavalier if you're English. Uh, basically, it's the Emerald Knight. Um, this, this one is so unique because it has the top half of a woman and the lower half of a horse. So it's mm, basically best parts of each. A, <laughs> <laughs> got the mic, got the mic. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that statement, but, uh, but uh, well, that's something that was said. <laughs> For co- comedic value, we'll let it go. Um, <laughs> but this thing is so cool. I mean, it's a centaur. It's a centaur war strider. And I, I was awesome. looking everywhere. I wanted to see this picture. And it probably exists somewhere and maybe got cut. Uh, you can just, like, email that at my email. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 If you guys have that art, just lay it around. Yeah. You forgot to put it in the book. Yeah, yeah. The art director at Onyx Path, <laughs> if you're listening, I want to see the picture of this thing. Right. Um, but this thing has, like, tons of charging um, charms. And it's got a lance. It fights with a short bow. I mean, it is basically a centaur in a big giant robot form. Uh, that's, that's crazy. I love this thing. It's really cool. Uh, I mean, you think about like a, like a first age, uh, creator crafter, whatever building this thing. And, you know, knowing that he can put into its arms and shoulders and chest or whatever like rocket launchers essentially or laser beams you know implosion bows lightning bliss or whatever and he, right. he chooses he goes you know what though no that doesn't fit the theme we're gonna need a massive bow yeah. for this <laughs> i mean you know there's not a there's not a pacific rim jaeger that looks like that you know why does it have just a bow why don't you put a gun on it yeah so i think that's actually really cool that's got a bow so, a bow and a lance cool you know yeah it's i mean it's very thematic it's just i mean it's like i said like you know that it's it's all for the art artistry of it you know this first oh, yeah. age uh architect or whatever you want to call him like he, he's well, like actually to tell you the truth this one was built after the first stage oh mm. yes all I right to mention well, that. okay oh yeah it's a shogunate thing huh yes very cool so maybe they didn't know how to make lightning ballista anymore. Oh yeah, that's very true. Yeah, awesome. Well, what about the next one? And and both of those were uh, five dots, right? Uh, I do believe so. They yes. weren't the uh, the super mega like you don't have a near enough money ever to. Ever <laughs> <own this. laughs> I don't think any of these are are going up on eBay anytime soon. <laughs> if you get one of these Strider. in game, you didn't. Well, you they'd didn't all buy. be on Etsy since they're handmade. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah that war, would be an awesome war strider question. absent one hearthstone it's like dang i'm so close <laughs> <laughs> well so the next five dot one is godspeed vanguard and to harken back earlier Corey, to one of the cons you said about not being able to hide this right. one is quite literally designed to do that ah. yeah it's oh yeah that, it's it, all even, about that picture stealth. of it it's all about speed it's about being able to enter stealth even in combat so that you can come out of it and basically get ambush attacks through <laughs> the duration of a combat. It's freaking nuts, man. 
Can you imagine how horrific that would be if you're fighting this enormous <laughs> thing and it just goes like, like blinks out of existence <laughs> and then it just shows up and murders half your, you know, your friends or whatever on it and just disappears again. Like, oh, run away, please. So that one is uh, really awesome. And in fact, I think, I think that's the one that has a speed charm which says something to the effect of you move so fast that you leave this like mirror image of yourself behind that has a certain number of health levels equal to the successes on the roll or something like that. (laughs) It actually has health levels? Well, yeah, because then when someone attacks that fake image, it only does damage to that, and you're already like, you know... 50 miles over in another yeah. direction or something. That's awesome. yeah. shimmering after image refraction. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's like casting <laughs> mirror it's, image and it, and it has hit points. It's insane. Yeah, it's when you dodge. <laughs> it's like you just dodge <laughs> out of the way of something and like leave an image there to take the hit. That, that is insane. So the next one is the first of two in a level war striders. You know, I've never been happy with the fact that they just have like an NA. Like that seems like from a from a, a person who's really into game mechanics or whatever, it's like we have we have a mechanic that's just not applicable. Well, you're gonna have that one player that does everything they can to like try to start the game with one. Like you're not starting the game with this one. This is gonna I know, be, but it, this is gonna be specifically story driven. Like we're I just wish they would have come up with something it. different than NA. Well, I, I mean think they've had the this all the way it's back. Appropriate. But. Have you read through these two, Corey? I haven't read through the two NA okay. ones. Uh-uh. I will tell you, <laughs> there is a very specific reason they put NA. And the reason is because they are they're beyond world-breaking. Yeah, well, I would say that about the five-dot ones. Yeah, those have nothing on these, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's just like... I, I, I smell was, a War Strider combat. Let's do it. I was, reading, I was reading through them again last night, and almost every evocation I read for the NA level ones, I just went, what? What? <laughs> right. Like, no, hang on. Am I understanding that right? Okay, so <laughs> the first one is Ascendant Nova Phoenix, and it's... Uh, Another great name. Yeah. It's a flight-based combat chassis, which lets you do things like, um, oh, I don't know, permanently blind your enemies. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, you can just do that at the beginning of combat, potentially, and, like, no one can even see to fight you. Hmm. Just, oh, oh. Very okay. awesome. <laughs> um, That's a downer on thing. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, <laughs> but that one is all about, uh, like, f- you know, soaring above the battlefield, doing, like, flyby attacks, doing things like being extreme range distance above the battlefield, and then mm-hmm. hurtling to the ground like an out-of-control spaceship <laughs> so that when you land you do uncalculable damage. Uh, It's just, it's insane. 
It is And just kind of looking through it here. Yeah. It, this has one of the things that I find to be the most fascinating aspect of game mechanics design. And that is, we were talking about this with Eric Minton, uh, with that bell shield in the arms of the chosen that like, yeah. you know, as it takes hits, it builds up vibration and like in the uh, white reaper style that builds up these like halos. This thing has, has one of those. It builds up these fire halos. Yeah as it uses its evocations and then it can spend those or use those in calculations for damage and stuff like that. I love that design of having like new things to count up well, while you're laying waste. To another things. one, one of the charms that I was talking about where you like, you want to be as high above the battlefield as you can to soar down. Is it for each range band that you move through? It will add a fire halo. Basically, is yeah. like parts of the War Strider are glowing red. You're a spaceship on re-entry. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm, I'm imagining you know some of those pictures of like jets like going through like the uh, sound barrier or whatnot. You know, it's just like that. Or or like uh, Superman when he when he flies off and he hits the sound barrier and there's like that you know like kind of halo ring I that think breaks it's out beyond that because there well, is clearly. a charm that does that <laughs> yeah it's like um you create a sonic boom and then everyone in the affected area is deafened for the rest of the encounter <laughs> yeah so there's that but that's kind of on the weak end of what this thing can do it's just like so you got one that deafens one that blinds is there's one is there one evocation that just removes all the taste buds <laughs> <laughs> it's called phoenix's burning porridge <laughs> it's called lick me yeah. while i'm hot it's too hot <laughs> So I, I really like that one, how it's all about um, just like flying by and punching your in. You're basically a robot Superman. That's kind of how I envisioned yeah. it. Right, right. I love um, this, this one evocation. The sword that conquers five directions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, That's so awesome. the last one is Carvara the Walking Devil Tower. I love that name. <laughs> this one, name. I weep at its beauty. Um, <laughs> it is a primordial bound within a War Strider frame. So, oh snap! Yeah, I don't. I you kind of have to go over the story just a little bit. So basically, that justifies the NA rating right there. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, yeah, it does. Um, or I'm sorry, not a primordial, a behemoth. I apologize. Boom, 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 yeah. Boom. So basically what inside. happened was there was this giant Handling. behemoth attacking creation and these three exalts held it down and built a war strider frame around it to like trap it. And then Ugh. while two of them were doing that, one of them is on the inside of the behemoth like a bot fly turning <laughs> like its spine <laughs> And, you know, like, making its central nervous system into the circuitry. So, this one is very bio-organic. Right. Um, also, yeah. I have to mention, the picture shows this giant robot tossing people into Just its open eating mouth. eating people. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It is um, great. <laughs> but, while, while I think that the story element of... You're not even really in a War Strider as much as you're inside a Behemoth... While I think that's right. really cool, the coolest part about this one to me 
is that so many of its abilities, or avocations rather, trigger off of limit break or involve gaining limit. So, yeah, because you're basically fighting the influence of this behemoth the whole time that you're piloting it. So there are a lot of... great design. Yeah, there are a lot of evocations that do, you know, like an insane amount of damage, but the catch is you gain limit every time you use that evocation. But but then there are others that say do limit divided by two plus your essence damage rounded up. So it encourages Mm. you to gain limit um, because there are even evocations that are only usable when you are experiencing limit break. Wow. And there are ones that only unlock when you enter limit break. So, uh, (laughs) it's just like, I I don't even know what else to say. This one is beyond game-breaking. It will create untold, irreversible, unhand-wavable havoc in any game it's used in. Unhand-wavable. And That's I can't wait. It is, it is Banyanas. I can can't agree. wait to introduce it into my game next week. No. <laughs> this week. This week. Here it comes. But you know, you know what this reminds me of so much? I don't know if you guys have ever seen just the phenomenal film, Naushika and the Valley of the Wind. Have you, have you ever seen that? Mm-mm. I have not so back in the day, in the eighties, this it's a it's a Hayao Miyazaki film. Who he is like a legend, right? I mean, this is the guy who made the Academy Award winning Spirited Away, uh, one of the you know just the top movies of all time. And although I think Naushika in the Valley of the Wind is his magnum opus, like that that movie is the one that beats all the others. So all the all those out there who think Spirited Away is the best, I'm sorry, you're wrong. It's Nausicaa. But anyway. Um, back in the eighties, they imported this movie, some company did it and it, it was like a, I don't even think it was an authorized import and they, they dubbed it. They, they kind of moved the scenes out of order or whatever. And they called it warrior on the wind. And, and that movie was, it was, it was like one of my favorite movies as a kid. And like, I thought of my bicycle as, uh, the princess's, uh, cloud climber, you know, she has this like cool glider thing, but anyway, there is a, there is a, uh, a behemoth type thing in the movie that uh, they, th- that this evil empire is like growing. And it's like, it's like a heart that's just like beating for a while. And then it starts to get flesh and whatnot. And they try to use this thing in battle. And it actually looks kind of a lot like this, except it's like muscle exposed and everything. And it comes out on the battlefield and it only fires like a couple of times, like this, you know, beam out of its mouth, but it just annihilates like the entire horizon as it like shoots this beam out. And, and it's, it's really like kind of out of their control, you know? And, um, so anyway, I, I, this, this reminds me a lot of that. So very cool stuff. If you guys out there haven't seen Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, Disney did a new import of, uh, this thing, did a new redub and everything and, and now put it in its proper order, uh, all the scenes in the proper order. And it is awesome. Has Patrick Stewart in it. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> so, um, anyway, you have to see that if, if not for anything else, then for the, uh, for the song when, um, yeah, well, anyway, there's a really great song in there, so check it out. All right, so these are these are all really awesome War Striders, but how would how would you use these? You know, Charles, you, you kind of joked around like, <laughs> yeah, well, I can't wait to use these on my character or on my in my game this week. But how could you possibly how could you possibly even get any use out of these things? I mean, so I mean, here's the real answer. I'm not really sure. Um, 
I, I I actually I really genuinely do want to use one in my game at some point, but I think I think what you kind of have to do is slowly reveal it over time. So okay. I mean, it, it it depends. Are you going to use it as an antagonist against your characters, or are you going to use it? Bye bye characters. Like giving it to your characters <laughs> because both of those are radically different propositions. I think. Right. And I'm leaning more towards having it be um, this kind of ultimate or penultimate big bad end guy, right? Where yeah, someone or something is furiously working on trying to get this thing back up and running. Um. So, you know, my players don't even know about War Striders right now. I, I Like, they right. probably have never even seen or heard that term. And right. maybe they'll come across some, like, real vague passage in a book or something. So start planting the seed, like, oh, War Strider, that sounds neat. And then, uh, you know, have them come across a diagram of an old War Strider. And they're like, oh, man, that sounds really cool. And then just... You kind of have to spread that out until they're at a point, you know, I don't know, essence four, maybe five. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know what that, what level you'd have to be to go against this kind of thing. That would be kind of I, fun. Like if they did find some plans and then you're like, make a, a perception plus, plus awareness check. It's like, and then they succeed and you're like, you realize that the scale of this thing is 60 foot tall. Yeah. Like, did you just see the, the look on the faces, you know? <laughs> right. I, I think if I were going to use one, <clears throat> I mean, because they're just so awesome, I wouldn't want it to be the enemy. I would want it to be something that the players pilot. Right. But what you said, you know, ultimate or penultimate, I think actually penultimate would be the right way to go. Yeah. That being the, the, the second to last sort of thing uh, that, this is that you know the campaign's kind of building up to this massive showdown, and you need the war. You you the characters all believe they need the war strider. You know, like they've discovered parts of it. They put some of it together. They've been repairing it. One guy has been, or gal has been, uh, like training him or herself to like you know use this thing. You know, because they're like we we've got to have this. You know, the, this confrontation is coming, and this is going to be the key to it, or whatever. And you get like you get one or two play sessions of just absolute blissful glory of driving this war strider and laying waste to your enemies, right? But then something happens, like it breaks. You know, you got to eject. You know, the, the thing goes down. You couldn't keep it together long enough, or whatever. And then the final battle which you thought you needed the war strider in order to fight, you find out that you have the power within yourself to take on the final enemy. Oh, gosh. Enemy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? See, okay? I just you feeling keep, it? I just keep going back to this vision of, I don't know, like let's say that they're assaulting the enemy's fortress, right? The players are assaulting right. the enemy's fortress, you know, seat of power, and... A couple of them go inside to kill the actual bad guy who's trying to perform some ritual to, you know, create, you know, so like the wild exists on the edge of creation, but he's trying to create a little bloom of it right in the center that will grow out, basically, or something like that. I don't okay. know. And so they're like, we can't let this get a foothold or else it might be, you know, too hard to stop. 
So right. some of them are going into the fortress while some are on the outside trying to stop this war strider that's basically destroying the army, right? So you have right. the two different scales. You have you know, the hobbits that are throwing the ring in on the inside and that are facing a much more personal challenge. And then you have Aragorn outside facing the very physical challenge of that stuff. Mm. I, that's you're gonna just need kind to run, of how you're I need to run that back to them. On a combat timer where both things are happening at the same time. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty awesome, actually. That's not yeah. a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a lot better than just having one person get right, to have all the fun right. in the War Strider where everybody else is just sitting back and not doing anything. So, um, but yeah, super cool. I mean, you definitely have to treat these with care, especially mm-hmm. now in the third edition, you know, versus se- I think it's second edition. Uh, you know, I fully plan to give, uh, you know, one or two characters a War Strider with some of the stories oh, that we were playing it. in second edition. <laughs> Daggum it. <laughs> but, but I don't think it was, I don't think they were nearly as game breaking as this. You know, right. I mean, it just, these things are like, it, you, you know, you, you really have to, and of course they they put all these like maintenance requirements and things oh in there. Oh my gosh, dude, the maintenance. Yeah, that, that really slow you down so oh that you can't gosh. just like, you can't just hop in these things and like run off an it adventure in the war. devastatingly Strider, restrictive for that maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> Which it should be, because yeah. if you're getting in a, in a weapon of this caliber, you're, you're going to have to have some drawbacks, so... So they've 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 kind of built that into the story, you know. I mean, really, if if one of these enters the story, the story has to essentially like orbit the War Strider yeah. for a very long time until it then leaves the scene. So you just have to pre- be prepared for that. This isn't like a special weapon that somebody can keep in their closet and just pull out when they need it. This this thing has to take up like a good chunk of the story. So, so be very, be very cautious about how much you plan to have these in there because every, like the crafters have to have the right kind of crafting uh, charms and everything else to be able mm-hmm. to do the maintenance. The, uh, the pilots have to know how to pilot these things. It is and, not like, a have access to the evocations. No, 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 no. This, this is going to eat the story. So you got to be careful of stuff like that. And if you put them up against your players, well, just expect the TPK. I mean, really. <laughs> well, Corey, if, if I was going to use these in a story. Um, okay. I got two different ideas. One would be to uh, build off the antagonist idea. Don't right. have them, like, directly fighting the war strider, the, the opposing war strider, but you see it in the background. Like you see it right. devastating, laying waste to cities. And maybe it's like a stealthy, um, kind of mission where they're basically going in and trying to remove the hearthstone to shut the thing down, but right. they don't want to openly, uh, fight back because, you know, if the war strider does attack, of course they're probably going to die. So right. uh, you could do something like that and have it in the background, and yeah. very Star Warsy, right? yeah, yeah, very Death Star, or, or like like Metal Gear. Oh yeah, like yeah. you know, you see the thing, fi- you know, jumping around, but it ain't, you know, he's like hiding behind a box or under a cardboard box. If you're Solid right. Snake, um, but <laughs> another way would be some big giant behemoth is attacking and. You know, they use a War Strider, and you basically have Ultraman versus Godzilla or something fi- uh, happening. Where, right. you know, I don't know if you got like that crazy later from, from Power Rangers, it's like throwing stuff out of the wild. Like, my, my, 
my monster grows. Oh, Rita. <laughs> and like, I don't know, but yeah, these things they do they do need a behemoth uh, antagonist book to go with. Oh them. yeah. Or oh yeah. Or you're just making it up, or you're fighting other war striders. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it could it could be fun. But I, I think that would have to be like a storyteller kind of... It has to be like, that's the driven game. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, you wouldn't want a player like, oh, let's go hop in my war strider. You know, like, well, yeah. well, that just totally ruined the riverboat that I had uh, planned for you guys to go down. <laughs> you know, right. like, it could totally wreck your game. So I think it has to be focused. It has to be part of the game. Like um, exactly, but it could be fun. I mean, if you want to play oh, that yeah. kind of game, it could be it could be really great. Well, I mean, just like I said, I mean, think of Star Wars. Think of that whole story. You know, you start seeing uh, you know a little hologram of it in Episode Two. Uh, episode Two. Uh, uh. Take it back. Take it back, Lucas. Take it back. Do it again. Once um, again, but anyway, thank you, you for enjoying the last episode of the Deliberative Podcast. <laughs> but uh, but you know, you see, you see it. You see a little bit of it there. You know, you you, you see it unleashed in Rogue One. You know, and then it's like, and then there it is, blowing up out. Alderaan in episode four and I, you know there's just like this march to it and then you know well and then they destroy it in episode four gosh that was oh, over quick uh yeah so anyway but yeah i mean that's a that is a very very good story arc you know somebody's got the somebody's got the doomsday weapon and you've got to go uh stop it right and um you know don't try to take it on directly find the uh exhaust port that you can fire the photon torpedo down <laughs> Yeah, so uh, very cool stuff. Uh, you know, you guys tell us, uh, tweet us, write in, tell us how you've used War Striders in your games. I'd like to hear some of these stories out there because we've never put one in our games. Uh, you know, back when we played Second Edition and Third Edition so far, we've not used one of these. So if one of you out there have used War Striders a lot, uh, give us a, give us a shout out and help us let, let us know what you've been doing, and we'll talk about those. Or you know what? Better yet, record yourself talking about how you've used War Striders in a game, and we will play that on the next episode. So um, anyway, let's move on to our character seed of the week, and this one was provided to us by one of our listeners and one of our members of DeepWild.com. Uh, our play-by-post website, and this is by user Jeral, one of our one of our newer one of our newer users, and uh, he sent in the concept of the struggling pacifist warrior, and the seed goes like this: <laughs> In the life of a noble, blood is everything. Your family is where you come from, who you rely on, and a place from where you draw strength politically economically, and often spiritually. But it's also a source of great tragedy. Feuds with other noble houses are common, whether they involve outright fighting or backroom sabotage, and all too often these conflicts are in blood. Raised into such a world, you grew up keenly aware of all of the vendettas and hatreds in your family, and you hated it. Fleeing the hate and promise of violence, you sought another path in life, leaving your family and its politics behind. But now, with word reaching you that all of your blood have been slain by your rivals, you must give answer. Your family's killers await you out there in the world, and you know that you need to find them to bring closure to the path of your loss. I'm sorry, to the pain of your loss. But for you, that closure will not come through violence. You are determined to bring an end to the cycle of violence, and even if it kills you, you will not fight your enemies by bringing them death. Instead, you will reach them. Look them in the eye and forgive them. And until then, 
You pray that when the time comes, when you look them in the eyes and hold their lives in your hands, you will be strong enough to leave your own hatred behind. So, uh, very interesting concept, interesting, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, in you know, there goes the combat chapter. But, <laughs> but here comes the social interaction chapter. So, uh, again, you know, I love this when we have people send us in character concepts because they're often very different than what we create. Uh, right. I mean, I think, it, you know, I've created uh, social characters before, but um, not one that was just kind of like against violence altogether. He sends an example character, uh, Cossack heiress or vengeance denied and we it has an interesting story there we'll, we'll put this up on fivepoles.com for you guys to come take a look at and he's got a character sheet too that he made so uh, nice. you're good to go for using this kind of character in your game but uh again just 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 very interesting um so it's, it's, it's neat to see how people make characters yeah you know is. we I know we mentioned it before, but we, you know, we deepwild.com has been around for a long time in another form. We used to be called shard. It was something we've been using for a decade. And, uh, we, we had a thread on there in our escapist symposium uh, <laughs> forum. Uh, talk, oh, <laughs> talk about a, uh, yeah, a, a name, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, we, we had a, we had a, a thread there where we talked about like the psychology of role playing and, <laughs> and how people make characters and what that kind of says about them and whatnot. And uh, I find this very interesting, you know, yeah. to see because because role playing is escapist fantasy and it's uh, it's a way to kind of like be somebody you don't normally get to be in in life or sometimes it's you're you're wanting to play out something that's like really important to you uh something that's a big part of your life and sometimes you just want to be somebody completely different than you and uh, and I find all of that very fascinating it's kind of like um kind of like playing uh uh, Grand Theft Auto, you know, I'm not the kind of person that would ever throw a grenade into a crowd and then wait until, you know, various stages of police presence came to take me out uh, while I murder everybody. Inside. <laughs> but I very much like doing that in Grand Theft Auto, you know, so, <laughs> so it's like uh, you, uh, you failed a mission for the third time and then you just start beating up random people on yeah. the street. It's the everybody better. does it. Yeah, everybody does it. You just start the game, you kill a bunch of people, you you just you keep fighting until you die, and then you just turn the machine You're off. telling yeah, me but... that you drive through red lights on that game and don't use your turn signal? <laughs> you know, the, I, the first time I played uh, GTA 4, I, I actually was like stopping at red lights trying to be like a normal citizen, you know? And then the first time I just accidentally uh, hit like a granny on a crosswalk, you know, like running from the police and her blood's like all over the door. I was like, okay, this is over. Now I'm, now I'm just going like hog wild. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's free. have you ever have you ever seen that meme uh, that where it has like a father sitting with like a little kid in front of Grand Theft Auto? It says, "All right, son, now kill the hooker to get your money back." <laughs> I think I've seen that. You heard it here it's first, hilarious. folks. Corey is one dead grandma away from becoming a psychopath. <laughs> oh, my grandmother's. Well, that goes back died. to the uh, what you were talking about. I mean. With uh, role playing and, and and video games and stuff, you can like play out things that you would never do in the real world, you know. And you can right. create a character that's totally not like you, or you can play a character that deep underneath some of your like um, deep seated like things, um, yeah, that you're just you're combating and playing through and confronting right. them. And like the role playing is actually, you know. 
it keeps you from going crazy sometimes. I mean, right. I, I think it's real. It could be therapeutic. Yeah. No, I think so. It's 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 a it's an awesome hobby. I would love to, I'd love to just have like an episode where we just talk about that, where we talk about the uh, you know the the impact of of gaming on on our psyche and everything else. And I mean, it, with Exalted in particular, but then also just like kind of floating through lots of different games and experiences. And I think that could be actually pretty interesting. Yeah. And uh, have people have people send in their stories of you know we'd have to prepare people for it beforehand. Like, all right, guys, now we're going to do this episode next week. I want you to send in your story. Yeah. Put that on the but, board uh, topic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that 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 would be a very fun thing to talk about. So, um, anyway, all right. Well, that's going to just about wrap it up for this week, I believe. So, where can folks find more of your stuff? Well, Corey, you can find me on the official Onyx Path forums as Lucky Chucky. I also run our Facebook page, The Deliberative Podcast, as well as our Twitter account at Deliberative Pod. You can always find me at our website at fivepoles.com or reach me direct at my email, james.fivepoles at gmail.com. That's where you send that cool artwork that I was requesting earlier. <laughs> and <laughs> I go by the username Reform Ninja on the forums. And for all game-related things, including the Onyx Path official forums and the deepwild.com forums, I am Numa Pilot. And remember, if you have a question or an issue that you would like for us to discuss on the deliberative, or if you just want to get a, a an early start on sending us some some of that those great stories of how how role playing has uh, brought some of your inner psyche to life, uh, go ahead and send those to us at the deliberative podcast at gmail.com. And if at all possible, like we always say, send us a recording of yourself talking about the issue, asking the question, making the statement, whatever you want to do so that we can put your beautiful voice on the air with us and all the rest of the community can hear you and interact with you that way. It's really an awesome thing. We love hearing those. So send those in. Hey, we would like to thank Dauntless Poet for leaving us an iTunes review. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> don't forget to leave us an iTunes review or if you're not an iTunes person, you're one of those Android or whatever else is out there besides Apple. Uh, if you're one of those people, you Shutter. can leave us a review on Stitcher and we appreciate it. Awesome. So thank you for listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. See ya.